verse 17, and then we're going to go all the way to Jonah, the end of Jonah chapter 2. I'll give you a minute to get there. When you're there, say amen. Oh, I heard an amen. Okay, so we'll go. Okay. <laughs> now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hold me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love from them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Um, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much, Candace. Well, good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you at this six o'clock service. And if you're new here, if it's your first time, it's great to have you with us tonight. And it's a joy to be able to continue on in our series in Jonah. Now, last year, Oxford's English dictionary word for 2022 is something that you may or may not be aware of. But it was a word actually voted for, picked by the public as the word to kind of represent the mood of 2022. And this word, well, actually two words, was in actual fact goblin mode. Now, I don't know if anyone here has heard or has experienced goblin mode. I um, hadn't heard of it until quite recently, but when I dug into it a little bit and found out what it meant, slightly resonated um, ever so slightly with, I think, certain moments of my life. But anyway, Oxford officially defines goblin mode as slang for a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. And apparently, later on, it says it's characterized by lazy, greedy, shameless behavior. Um, now, research suggests that many people, and I'm sure none of you here, but many people um, actually kind of went into a goblin mode type vibe during the pandemic, binge watching TV, not caring about their appearance, wearing pajamas all day, not the best vibe. Now, if I'm honest, there probably have been times in my life where I've consciously or unconsciously slipped into a bit of goblin mode. Now, what's any of that got to do with Jonah and where our story finds us today with Jonah? a man called by God, a prophet of the Lord, being swallowed up by a giant fish. Well, you see, I think goblin mode could be a little bit of Jonah. He was a prophet, this man called by God to speak, to give God's specific word to a people group, to bring a message of repentance, of God's mercy, his compassion upon his enemies. I encourage you to listen to Stephen's talk from last week about this. 
But yet he rejects the call of God upon his life. He's stubborn and afraid, not wanting to offer God's hope and love to his enemies. So he tries to flee from God, and that is never a good idea. He ends up finding himself on a ship, heading in completely the opposite direction to the place in which he'd been called to go. He finds himself deep in this ship, a storm raging around them. And ultimately, as he confesses what he's done in running away from the Lord, he finds himself being thrown into the ocean, essentially giving up on life. And here is where our story finds us tonight. At the Lord's mercy, Jonah being swallowed up by a giant fish, perhaps in the belly of a whale. Again, never a good place to be for three days and three nights in the dark depths of the ocean in goblin mode. Yet something happens to Jonah in the depths of the ocean. Because as we read in his powerful prayer tonight, his poetic, powerful words of worship, that actually it's from this deep place of pain and darkness that he actually finds himself turning back to God. He goes from goblin mode to God mode. And simply tonight, I want to talk a little bit about this. Firstly, goblin mode, and then secondly, God mode. So before we see about how he turns his problems into praise, how he turns his problems into a prayer, we must first just enter into how far down he's found himself, how he's run away, how he's gone further and further away from God. Down, down, down into the darkness. And so let's hear what he reflects on in the distress of his situation. Well, in verse two, we read, it's in my distress I call upon the Lord. And then he says in verse two, he describes it as he's gone down into the realm of the dead. Or in other words, it describes it as a place called Sheol. Now there's an Oxford college, actually, I won't say which one, but their laundry room, my friend used to go down there, underneath the kind of main building, it's called Shale. I'm not quite sure why they did that, but this is much more an extreme kind of place of just pain and darkness and death. He feels like he's in the belly of death. Verse three, he's been hurled into the depths of the sea, the chaos of the waves tossing around him. It's like he doesn't even know which way is up. There's a storm raging around him. Verse four, he says, I have been banished from God's sight. It feels like God isn't even there anymore, like he's been abandoned. Verse five, he describes the water engulfing him. He's experiencing drowning. And I think not just kind of a physical sense of drowning, but a spiritual and emotional sense of just under pressure. He describes seaweed as being wrapped around his head. It's almost as if there's like torment and pressure on his mind. In verse seven, he says, my soul is faint. Life is ebbing away from me. It's like he can't even catch a breath, like he's burnt out, like he doesn't have anything left to live for. Whilst I'm sure none of us here have ever found ourselves swallowed by a giant fish. I once swam with dolphins, that's about as close as I could get to this. But you may be here tonight or listening to this and somewhat resonate with some of Jonah's situation or perhaps can remember a time when you were, some of his condition that he is calling out to God in. Perhaps you're aware, even tonight, of in a very kind of active sense of running away from God's call on your life or just running in the opposite direction from him. You know, it was Jonah's sin that led him into this situation of darkness. And you know, the further we move away from a source of light, the darker 
it gets. Or perhaps it's nothing that you kind of done in and of yourself, but it's because of what others have done to you that you feel like you're under it right now. Or perhaps a situation that you just have no control over, but because of the brokenness of this world, you can resonate with some of Jonah's feelings of the depths of darkness. But what we see in this story of Jonah tonight is that there is no situation that leads us too far from God's outstretched hand to rescue. In fact, we see time and time again through the whole story of the Bible and throughout church history that often it's in times of darkness when God breaks in. And actually, so often it's when we come to the end of ourselves that we find God in that place. Bear Grylls, the real-life action man himself, speaking about his faith in God, he said this, For many years I tried to do, with, to do without it, without faith. I tried to be strong only in myself. But the truth is that I'm not. I need a helping hand, a peace within, and that quiet assurance for my future. I have finally found the courage to admit that my longing for this life within me is stronger than the fear of what other, others may think of me. I am no longer too proud to admit that I need a savior beside me. Does that make my faith a crutch? Maybe. But what does a crutch do? It helps you stand and makes you stronger. It helps you stand and makes you stronger. You know, I remember in the months leading up to when I came to this church for the first time, I definitely would have not called myself a Christian. It was my, during my second year of university. And I remember chatting to my cousin who had become a Christian not that long earlier. And I remember we were in the car driving along and I was genuinely really happy for him. I could see that this whole faith thing was making a difference in his life. And I remember somewhat arrogantly saying to him, I'm so happy for you, but honestly, I just don't think I need God. Um, <laughs> faith just doesn't really have any relevance to me right now. And my cousin said to me after reflecting on that moment, he said, I didn't want to pray this, but as I heard you say that, I felt like I had to. And he said that he prayed, God, I pray that you would bring him to a place of needing you. And it was a bold prayer for him to pray, but I am so glad that he did. Because, you know, in the months that followed, it wasn't that long, but I really truly was running, I think, as far as I could away from God. But actually, as I ran further and further away, life just seemed to feel less and less um, fulfilling. Like I was trying to find satisfaction in all these other places until finally I just had this overwhelming sense that I needed to go to church. And I kept getting invited again and again, so I thought, okay, what's the worst that can happen? And I remember coming into this church, being so taken aback by all the young people I saw around me, it wasn't what I expected, feeling slightly overwhelmed, but I remember so vividly in the worship, it was as if I felt like I'd come home, like waves of love just kept crashing over me. I remember saying, Jesus, I'm sorry, can I come back to you? And it was in that moment that I felt his light and his love, his hands reach out to me, and everything has been different since. But you know, one of the ways I can only describe what was going on at that time when someone asked me how it felt, I said, well, honestly, it felt like I was drowning, and now I'm not drowning anymore. And you know, things really began to change for Jonah when he goes from essentially goblin mode, from looking in and of himself, in the darkness, trying to do it in his own way, to looking up to God. Because actually, it's from within his prison-like state of being trapped within the earth that he can somehow cry in verse six, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up out of the pit, amen. And so secondly, we see now what happens when we turn from goblin mode to God mode. Well, the first thing I wanna say is that he always hears. 
There's a beautiful line in that first bit of Jonah's prayer that he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. What a beautiful phrase, and he answered me. You know, Jonah may have physically gone far from, the God, he, from God. He may have spiritually been in a really dark, oppressive place. But no matter how dark the darkness is, light will always shine. The Lord will always, always, always hear our cry. There's no trouble that is too extraordinary for God to listen and to hear our cry. He hears the 2 a.m. sleepless, sleepless, desperate cry for help. He hears the quiet whisper when you're at work and don't know what to do in a situation. He hears the cry in in the entrance of an exam when you need help. He hears the cry when stuff goes wrong. He hears it. I was once driving back home from Oxford up north um, to have a weekend with some friends up at my parents' house. And we were in my little old red beetle at the time and I'd literally been saying to someone that day, um, my car has never broken down and it never breaks down, it's super reliable. Classic. Um, about, five, about a few hours later, as five girls are crammed into this little beetle, we're on the M612 heading north, trying to make it back home in time to catch the last bit of the sunlight. And just, praise the Lord, as we were getting near a service station, all the lights started flashing. The car starts juddering. I was like, oh, something's very wrong here. And I managed to get into the service station, and just as I'm like, the power steering had gone, so I'm like cranking the steering wheel round, we stop. Middle of the car park, we're like, oh no. And we had to get pushed in. The alternator had gone. Nightmare. Thankfully, no one was hurt, but I was seriously annoyed at the situation. It was kind of one of those moments, you know, where Ross in Friends says, why do bad things happen to good people? And long story short, it took about 13 hours to get home. And as we were waiting um, for the tow truck to arrive, I rang my mum, my, be- my very pow- um, prayerful, wise mum. And I said to her, basically, I couldn't even bring myself to pray. I was just like, mum, I can't believe this. Will you ask God why this has happened to me? Um, and very sweetly, she said, yes, um, I'll, I'll be praying. Anyway, a few hours later, our AA man finally arrived to our rescue. I think he was having an even worse day than we was. He wasn't in the, in the best mood. And we get in the car, and my mum, I ring her again, tell her we're, we're on the road, and she says, I have been praying. I was like, okay. And she said, I think the Lord is saying that this is an opportunity for you to stay sweet. It's about how you act in the situation. I was like, okay, fine, thanks, mum. Anyway, um, <laughs> frustratingly, as we're kind of in, we're piled into this man's tow cabin thing with the beetle on the back, and we're going for, I kid you not, about 40 minutes before he says, I have to go on my break now. I'm like, are you kidding me? So anyway, we pull in, and our new friend, Michael, stops to have his break. We go into the service station, and we thought, okay, let's try and make the most of this trip. And it was back when, you know, Coke bottles had people's names on them? You can find, like, your own name. So we're like, okay, we'll try find a Coke bottle with his name on to cheer him up. The closest we could find was Miguel, but anyway, he didn't seem to mind. <laughs> we presented him with this Coke bottle. And sure enough, it kind of built a little bridge, and we began our, like, 10-hour drive with, Mike- with Michael back up to the Lake District. But you know, what was amazing in that moment is, sure enough, as we began to chat, Miraculously, over the next several hours, the conversation opened up about faith as he began to ask us about what we did. He had so many questions, and we were each able to share our stories with him. And what was even more amazing is that one of the girls that was coming up with us wasn't a Christian, and it was the first time she got to hear lots of our stories about our trust in Jesus. Now, it was a kind of silly cry for help, but it was beautiful how God turned the situation around, and at 4 a.m., sure enough, we made it back to the Lake District. You know, no matter how deep or somewhat surface level our problems can feel, 
we can have confidence that when we come before God, he always, always hears our cry. You know, when Jonah was turned in and on himself, looking down, looking away from God in the depths of the chaos of the ocean, when he looked back to God, when he remembered who God was, he turned his disorientation to reorientation. Because God, God not only hears our cries, he answers and he acts. You know, from where Jonah was in the root of the mountain where he sunk down into the pit, suddenly he finds confidence and hope and deliverance as he looks again to the holy temple of God where his presence dwells. In the realm of the dead, he suddenly discovers again the Lord's sweet presence. It's like when you're in a dark room and you just open up the curtain a little bit in the morning. You only need to open up a tiny bit and light breaks in. God was there already waiting for him. And so as we read in verse six, he can say with confidence that his prayer has been heard by God. God breaks in. Goblin mode is no match for God. And there's a powerful turning point in this prayer as the kind of downward trajectory of Jonah's life seems to start to turn around. God brings him out of the pit. And actually it's beautiful. It's the first time in the whole book of Jonah in this prayer where we read, he actually refers to the Lord as my God. Up until that point, he'd just been saying the Lord, but suddenly it's my God. And you know, something beautiful happens when we remember who God is and we can come to him as his child, as a beloved son or daughter in confidence that we belong to him. It's when Jonah began looking up that he began coming up out of the waters. And that's why the book of Psalms in the middle of the Bible is so powerful, because it's people who are very real about messy, difficult, tough situations, but yet have confidence as they worship in the power of God to answer and act, no matter how they feel. In Psalm uh, Psalm 30, verse two, David, the psalmist says, Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. But how can Jonah be sure that God has heard his prayer and has the power to act, even when he's been disobedient, even when he's been running away? How can he be sure that his prayer has reached God? Well, the answer comes at the end of his prayer in a prophetic declaration that he makes, these four powerful words in verse nine. Salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. And this is really what the whole book of Jonah is about, that salvation comes from the Lord. And as Jonah shouts from the belly of shale, from the realm of the dead, that salvation comes from the Lord, he's actually prophetically proclaiming the name of Jesus, Savior, our Lord and Savior. Salvation comes from Jesus. And Jesus, many years later, speaking of himself, we can read about it in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 12, he says this, he says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, of the huge fish, so the son of man, that's himself, will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You know, when we pray, we're not praying to a God that is far off, distant, apathetic to our situation. No, we pray to a God that has entered in to the depths of the earth that came down from heaven in the person of Jesus, who suffered and bore the weight of our sin, of our shame, of our rebellion, of all of the things that have been done to us. He hung on the cross and he experienced separation from the Father. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He truly knows what it is to feel abandoned, to feel our pain. And ultimately he descended for three days and three nights into the realm of the dead 
but love is stronger than death. Ephesians chapter four, he who descended is also the one who ascended to bring us up. That is the confidence that we can have in God tonight because of Jesus. Love has won. Jesus has the victory, amen? And on the third day, he rose again. And so that means he has disarmed the principalities and powers of darkness. He is our resurrected king. He is our deliverer. He is the one with his arm outstretched, ready for anyone, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. That is, anyone, no matter how far you may have run from him, no matter how much you've been trying to push him away, however, whatever place you're in tonight, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, who comes to him, will be saved. And my question is, do you know that hope, that promise of everlasting life tonight? And there's an opportunity to call out to him. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to walk with you to that journey of discovering what you are made for and who you are made to be with. And that's why Alpha is also an amazing opportunity to come and bring your questions, to come and ask whatever you like to begin a journey of seeing what this is all about. Because Jesus not only descended, he went down, but he also ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he sent the Holy Spirit so that when we put our trust in him, when we receive him into our hearts, that means when we call upon his name, when we come to the Father, we come as much loved sons and daughters. We come knowing the one who has suffered, who has walked and experienced everything that we, we experience, but yet the one who is interceding for us, who has power to act, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. That is why prayer matters. That is why to a Christian, prayer is like breathing. It's a massive gift to us, no matter whether it's huge problems or just daily things we want to bring to God. There's nothing too big or too small that he won't listen to and he won't act accordingly to. Jonah says in verse eight, it's an interesting little line. He says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. It's like in this moment of clarity as he's coming back to God, he recognizes that in turning to put his trust, his hope, his kind of desire for salvation in anything other than who God is, be that money, success, reputation, just our own kind of 10-year plan, whatever it is, that none of it, can come and rescue us. None of it, and it's not bad in and of itself, but none of it can truly satisfy. None of us, none of it can hear the 2 a.m. cries and bring us out of the darkness. And when we put our trust in essentially worthless idols, it stands in the way of us receiving the blessings that God, that Jesus won for us on the cross. And we can be assured that our prayers are never left unread. They never end up in God's junk mail or received as an unknown number. He hears every single cry that we make. They get to God, they get before him in his holy temple. And some of you may be here tonight, very much resonating with some of Jonah's state of being, feeling that sense of abandonment, of heaviness, of darkness, whatever situation you may be, or whatever situation you might inevitably find yourselves in, in the ups and downs of life. My encouragement to you tonight is to turn your problems into prayer and to cry out to God, to turn your eyes to Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher, once said, a cry is a simple thing, but it's enough. You know, when a baby's born, you don't sort of sit it down and say, okay, what I want you to do when you need something is kind of make this sort of noise, and this is how you cry. You don't teach a baby to cry. It just knows when it needs something to begin to let out that sound, to cry out for its needs. 
And you know, sometimes we think we, we, think we have to approach God with ourselves sort of quite British, put together. Um, hi God, like sort of, you know, not really telling what's really going on, but we can just come as we are, raw, real, no matter what, what you're going through. Even the very act of just being here tonight, even if you're not sure kind of what you end, why are you here, well, how did I end up here? But just the act of being here tonight, of showing up, is so powerful in and of itself. That's why we love to worship, because even when we maybe don't feel it, when times are hard, there's something so powerful, as we sung earlier, when we turn our eyes back to God, when we were reminded of who he is and who we are in his sight. And the Psalms as well, the book in the middle of the Bible with full of prayers, of declarations of who God is, even in the midst of difficult situations. You can find every single human emotion in the book of Psalms. I'm so grateful for the Psalms. They really help us in all different situations. And if you don't have a Bible, if you've never read the Psalms, I'd love to give you one tonight. Come and talk to us at the end. But I just encourage you to pick a Psalm this week, to meditate on it, to put some worship music on and just spend time in a Psalm. Be real with God, however that look, whatever that looks like for you, but bring your whole self before him. Because when we don't feel like it, when our soul is downcast, when we're in a little bit of goblin mode, when the waves are breaking in, when we look to Christ, there is a power outside of ourselves that comes in and he will always pull you through. He will bring you into freedom. And sometimes that happens in a moment and we praise God for amazing stories that we're seeing at the moment of people encountering and experiencing God. And we'd love to pray for you at the end of the service if you wanna receive prayer. Sometimes breakthrough can take years and years, but hold on because God is never gonna abandon you. He is with you to the end. And you know, even in this song, we read a bit of Jonah's journey. He's kind of up and then he's down again and then he's up. And that is the reality of the Christian life. We're in a battle. Sometimes it's joy and sorrow at exactly the same time. But don't be disheartened because even in the darkest situation, God is with you and he is working things out for good. Even if we don't see it immediately or even this side of eternity, his promises are the same yesterday, today and forever and he is with us to the very end of the age. You know, there was a time a few years ago when it was just coming out of the back of the, one of the final lockdowns, and I was just feeling a pretty burnt out and low. I'd never really experienced anything like that. It was like, no matter what I did, I just couldn't really get out of it. And I was grateful to be given some time off to rest and really good support. But honestly, I think what Jonah describes is really what I was feeling mentally. It was as if seaweed was like pressing in around my head. There was just a heaviness that I couldn't seem to shake. And I remember as I was back home and I had a really good friend who was praying for me and it was kind of like a funny way of just me knowing that I could reach out to her but she said, when you need prayer, just text the word shale and I'll know to pray. And it was like when I was having a really tough, I was just like shale and I knew she was praying and it really meant so much. But even when I didn't really have the strength to pray or to worship, I wasn't really feeling it. I knew I had friends praying for me. I encourage you tonight to, if you're going through it, to reach out to someone, to don't suffer alone, be in community, be in the family of God. And finally, we see in God mode, we see not only his power to, to listen, but we also see the power of his outstretched arm to act. Because at the end of this chapter, we hear verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. What a way to make an entrance, to be vomited out onto dry land. But Jonah was saved from death and given another chance given a second chance by God to fulfill the call of God on his life. And Jonah's an interesting character, and we're going to hear more about him as we go on in this series. But there is power in the word of the Lord. The same God that spoke the world into being 
is the same God who speaks resurrection life over the earth today. So let's not forget the incredible power in the name of the Lord, in the word of God when we pray. And people are encountering him in incredible ways right now. I spoke to a student last week who became a Christian about a month ago, um, and she describes it in her own words so beautifully. She said, I honestly feel like I've gone from Antarctica, from the winter into spring. I was like, that is a beautiful way of describing it. And she heard about Alpha, and she came up to me at the end of the service. She was like, can I have um, some extra uh, invites, please? I was like, sure, how many do you want? She's like, how many can I have? I want to invite the whole city. It's like, go on, girl. And you know, there is power when we pray. There is power when we worship. And we have this incredible opportunity, hearing about goblin mode, I know it's kind of comical, but I don't want that to be the state of our kind of culture right now, that that is how people feel. And whether we're really in the depths of the ocean or we just feel a bit blah and a bit gray, let's lift our eyes to Jesus, the one who has come and who will come again to make all things new. Turn your problems into prayer. Look to Jesus because he answers and he acts and there's no situation that is too far for his outstretched arm to pull you through. And in a moment, we're gonna come together before the table of the Lord. We're gonna take communion together. And this is an incredibly powerful time to remember Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and the promise on which we stand as we come together in his presence. And just finally to say, as someone was, um, one of the prayer team was praying for our time together today, they just had a really strong sense, a picture of, um, it was literally of God's outstretched arm reached towards us, the fact that we may now look to him, but his hand is already there waiting for us. So look up, turn your eyes to Jesus, and turn our problems into praise. Amen.